for the first time in 265 days, Mark Marquez is back. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode 299 of Motorsport 101. 299, my God. Um, <laughs> welcome back to 299 of Motorsport 101. I'm Andre Harrison, and uh, we're back uh, to talk the second half of our big doubleheader, and that's MotoGP at Portimao. Now, for those guys who are IndyCar fans and looking forward to that one, check back next week for that one. We're doing what we did with MotoGP in Qatar. We're going we're gonna to double stack IndyCars first two rounds on next week's show we want to leave something special for episode 300 so forgive us if you're an indycar fan and you may have to wake a week but we'll double up with what happened in barber and st pete which is this weekend as we record it we'll put them all together in one big episode and that should be fun to talk through as well because if it's anything like barber should be fun. Um, more on that in episode 301, most likely. So look forward to that in a week or so's time. But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> on this one, we'll be talking about MotoGP and Portimao. And uh, hoy, yeah, the, the return that sent shockwaves around the motorsport world as Mark Marquez made his return to Grand Prix motorcycle racing for the first time in 265 days. It had been nearly nine months since his horrific crash in her after broken arm and free surgeries, a lot of recuperation period, and one mad week in the Haref again later, he's back. And we'll talk all about that. Oh, and Fabio Quadraro won. We'll talk about that too. It's 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 moderately important. But we'll talk about that in the meantime as well. But with me, as always, is Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, I, I'm only here because I'm obligated to be. I'm disappointing KTM. Uh, <laughs> Brad Binder did alright you know he had a good comeback through the field the junior classes worked out alright I don't think you can say it was a bad weekend right no <laughs> it's ah, I, I, you know what RJ you know what this is it's the fact the hometown hero didn't come through again wasn't it yeah I know mm. the feeling uh, less so much in Mo- Moto2. You know, we got some good American rep in Moto2, of course. Yeah. Not Bit of only American pride, I feel. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Great to be back for another show. Um, great to be back for motorcycle racing. Mark Marquez's return feels like it should have been like a WWE superstar popping a return after several months on the injury shelf, like John Cena after he tore his pec, or Edge after he tore his Achilles, or Edge after he was out on the shelf for ten whole years. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that feeling. The anomaly is back, and bike racing is better for it. Most definitely, and we'll get into all of that as well. We were talking about the race itself, Marquez's comeback. We had some big spills in the fight for the podium between a lot of guys we would label title contenders, including the championship leader at the time going into the race itself. And uh, uh, I will raise a, a French flag at half-mast for uh, for King because uh, one of his mans went down, unfortunately, in that one. Um, Johan, I'm looking at you, buddy. Um, My mans! <laughs> My mans! He's French. He's one of your mans. It counts. Do you um, not remember what we went through? <laughs> <laughs> Is still number five. You know, 
We'll talk about all of that. We'll also get into the intermediate and lower classes as well because uh, there was a fantastic Moto2 race which no one watched because it was in the middle of the of the Formula 1 race, unfortunately. It's why they may or may not have been a bit sneaky and pulled the MotoGP race an hour earlier just to avoid the clash. Um, so unfortunately, Moto2 bit that bullet instead, which is ironic because it might have been the best race of the weekend. Funny how that one turns out in the end. Um, oh, and... Uh, Pedro Acosta's at it again. Um, Wikipedia page haver. Pedro he has Acosta. a wiki now. He has a wiki now, and he's adding gold boxes on the results page next to it at an alarming rate. More on that soon. We'll get into a, a, a Moto2 race that was all over the place, and some of the news as well. All in the next 45 minutes or so. But places you can find us in the meantime for the general housekeeping part of the show. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Hi, if you're watching on there. Yeah, if you like what you see, hit a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know, when, when new content comes through. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are on the screen right now. At Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Cam sadly isn't here on this one, but if you want to follow him too... You can at cbuckley917. We're on Instagram at motorsport101pod. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of the audio versions of the show. You can upgrade to the $10 version for all the video as well. And access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. You can find all the details on that and that much more. On our, on our website, motorsport101.com, which features all our shows and some written pieces too. So all that good and more on there as well. Well, after this, we'll get into the MotoGP Portuguese Grand Prix. So, the Portuguese Grand Prix. Um, it, it, it's kind of wild that uh, the leading battle in the end ended up being quite straightforward, but just about everything was overshadowed by the man in orange. It was kind of inevitable on this one, unfortunately. You know, the, the, the sport itself embraced it. They had the big hashtag of Mark Returns um, and whatnot. And yeah, uh, it, it was a massive deal. It felt like a massive deal. I can't remember the last time I saw many this many people tweet over a MotoGP free practice one on the timeline because it was like, oh my god, Mark's back, yeah! People watching, it was it was wild, to say the least. The race itself, though, was a, a different tale up the front. We had Fabio Quattararo winning the early skirmishes. He dragged Alex Rins with him over middle distance. It turned into very much a time trial battle between the pair of them. Both just getting faster and faster. Rins was pushing that Suzuki to its limits. And then beyond the limit, when at the hairpin down the hill, he crashed and pretty much left Fabio in open air. He would go on to take a pretty comfortable win by several seconds in the end. Um, so not only that, back-to-back you know, -back wins for the, for, the, for the second time in his career. And the lead of the championship outright as well, which we'll get to in a little bit more detail later on. Terrifying fact of the day, he's now third on the list of active Grand Prix winners in MotoGP. He has four wins. Four. And he's third on the list in, in the current field. Man, how things have changed quickly around here. The only guys on the grid now have more wins than him 
are Maverick and Mark, which is just uh, wild to say this, given that his teammate finished down in 11th. Um, Mark Marquez finished in 7th in the end on his big comeback, was relatively quiet. He was on the back of the leading group for most of the race, but found his rhythm, found his form, was running third at one point. I think because you forget, this was his first race of a whole shot device. Yeah, which is just how, Which goes to show you just how long he's been out. The, the Honda didn't have a whole shot device for the last time he raced. Um, Taco as well had a rough day. He started in 10th. And uh, yeah, there was also big crashes in the field for Rins, for Jack Miller, who was running third when he crashed in a nasty one um, down at the hairpin at turn three. Um, actually ripped the stitches out of his arm pump surgery. So uh, not pretty. Um, don't look for that on Google, um, especially if you just had dinner. And uh, Johan Zarco was the other one who uh, crashed at the top of the hill when he was running third as well as he coughed up his championship lead. We had a great fight for second. It was Francisco Bagnaia who matched his career high finish in second over Mir and Frankie Morbidelli. But, RJ, oh, another tale of two Yamahas. I mean, for all the, the shit we were giving them before this season started, for all the fair concerns we had, they've won every Grand Prix so far this season. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny how these things turn out. But we're starting to see one very familiar tale emerge. Because Fabio has acclimated to the factory team quite well. Two Hmm. wins in a row. He had a slow start to this race, but as he started picking his way through the field and shaking Rins with him, you know, eventually he was able to break wins and then break Rins, I should say, and break away from the rest of the field to take the victory. But Maverick was down in 20th after that start, and he only was able to fight his way back up to 11th. I know it says on the set list to to ask if this is sustainable. I don't think so much, because while Fabio was doing doing well in his first handful of races as a Yamaha factory rider, Maverick's starting to fall into those same old tropes since the season started the first time in Qatar. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he he had to start, I think, from 11th on the grid anyway because he had his best lap taken away in, in, in qualifying yeah, for yeah. a, um, a track limits violation. Um, it, it, it didn't go well for him there. So much so, he, uh, he had to deal with a fake news report that said that he threatened to retire. That because uh, he was so angry about the track limits penalty, um, Maverick got so much shit from a fake news article. He actually deleted his Twitter, um, so his account's actually deactivated. So it was a rough weekend for Maverick in general. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's it's annoying because this is like we've mentioned it before. This is year seven for Maverick in MotoGP now. Year six with the Yamaha factory team, and it's the same old issues with Maverick. Whereas the new boy, Fabio, who's come up through SRT, you know, was question marks about him, especially from a mental standpoint. He's now won back-to-back and leads the championship by 15 points as well. He's actually got a significant early lead here already. I mean... It's hard to just... There's always a catch with Yamaha. That's what it feels like to me. It's like... Always a catch. If if one rider is doing great, the other rider's out of sync. If both riders are doing well, they're taking too many points off of each other for it to matter, and they're opening the door for somebody else. 
Saw that in 2016. Rossi Lorenzo couldn't be mm. stopped on paper, and then they stopped each other and let Mark Marquez sail to a title. Yeah, we've been here before, and that's what worries me about the Yamaha situation, is that, you know, you need both guys up there. The sport is as competitive as it's ever been. We saw it once again during this race. That You know, we've got factory satellites, even a KTM coming up through the field towards the end. Um, you know, people, it, last year proved anybody can win, or just about anybody not named Aprilia. And even Aprilia looked decent now. I mean, the leash was sixth on the day, you know. Amazing, so, like, I think. You know, great result from him. I mean, Ching, what do you make of the Yamaha situation? Because it's a bit all over the place. I mean, if, if you're the team, I, like, obviously, they're happy with Fabio dominating the series so mm. far. Yeah. Uh, so, from a standpoint, they do have that cushion to like see what's wrong with Maverick. Let him t- give him time, a couple races to recover before you seriously start, you know, raising questions about this. Where it's like, if it was both, but if it was both riders struggling, then there would be a serious problem. But like, yeah, they they have a cushion here. Yeah. It, it it feels like last year repeating itself where it was like they won over half they won half the races last season and yet Morbidelli was the nearest one to a title threat and it didn't ever really feel like Maverick who was their lead gunner was going to win the championship and it just didn't work out um particularly strange on that one but yeah Fabio just did what he does very very well gets to the front he's such a fantastic front runner um, you let him get away with it and let him run his race he's incredibly hard to beat and this was another easy example of that but we've got to talk about Mark <laughs> and you know we've 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 danced around the issue with Mark long enough and uh, this how do we even sum that performance up because there was there was genuine moments where you thought is he going to win this race? Like, like if through qualifying, because he was competitive right out of the box. He was up there, top six, pretty much every practice session. Um, didn't quite make Q two automatically. Had to go through the long way around, but was actually that was probably a good thing to get more running time underneath him on the bike. But seventh after nine months on the shelf. His arm's still clearly not 100%. And on a bike that has clearly still got the same old issues. Yeah, Honda's got Mark Marquez back, but all the same old problems are popping up. It's amazing that Takanaka Gami ended up finishing 10th in the end. uh, Yeah, it was a... It was a strange weekend for Honda. Like Paul Spagger had to retire due to a brake issue early early doors. He had, he had a brake failure, so he couldn't finish. His rear brake just stopped working altogether. Um, Takanekagami had an awful crash on Saturday morning, where basically I think he cracked a couple of ribs um, to the point where he was struggling to breathe on Sunday afternoon. So of course he races um, <laughs> and finishes tenth because of course. And uh, Mark, who we still saw wobbling around. I mean, I was, I was so nervous watching him out there, thinking, please don't crash, please don't crash, please don't. Oh, and we of don't course, want to wait nine more months for you to come back again. 
And of course, Mark beating Mark, you know how he rides the bike, so it's going to be maximum aggression. There was a couple of, like, his qualifying lap in Q2, he was sliding all over the place, and then it was, I think it was Matt Oxley on Twitter, he he did that on purpose, because he had no strength in his arm to turn the bike in, so he initiated a rear slide on purpose to make the corner. I'm just like, he's thinking on a galaxy brain level that I wouldn't even just consider possible. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to slide this out, make it look like I'm about to crash, just so I could, you know, make the corner. (laughs) <laughs> with one and a half arms and then like like we said he he only finished 13 seconds off the win yeah. despite all of this and uh, I King what do you make of it because honestly I'm just I was in shock watching that race it's it's only a matter of time until he starts stringing race wins together it's just waiting for him to actually fully recover, and he's mm. just gonna—he's gonna go back to, to dominating races. Alex had a great quote about it too. Mm. Called his brother a bastard. He said, <laughs> "Which is just classic brotherly instigation, right there." It was just like he's a bastard. Um, the first time we've really raced against each other, um, and I just couldn't catch him. <laughs> it was the literal quote that he used to, to sum it up. Um, it was actually just, it was genuinely nice as well when the race was over that he got to his chair and he started crying. Like, he cried during the press conference as well after the race when... He had his media debrief because he said he just missed it so much. He said yeah. he he said he felt like he was a MotoGP rider again after missing pretty much all of the 2020 season, which was already so freaky. I and mean, let's not forget this was not all a direct result of the arm. There was a botched surgery in there as well, you know. Then um, man's been to hell and back recovering from this, and he's still not a hundred percent. But the fact he was able to to come back so well was great, but at the same time, kind of scary. Now, I talked about this a little bit last year um, when this incident happened, and my, I remember me and Cam spoke about it before we watched it on watched the race live on Discord. Like, the Gladiator vibes that come from MotoGP in oh. general, because we were all F1 fans here as well, right? And... In F1, you don't get like normally when it comes to the injury scale. I think I'm fair in saying it's like it's like zero or a hundred, yeah. and I I mean that in the worst, and then the and I don't mean in the nastiest possible way. Unfortunately, it's, you don't normally get like the minor to medium level injuries that you associate with MotoGP, where you're much more likely to say break a collarbone or break an ankle or break a leg or, or, you know, have arm pump or maybe miss like maybe one or two rounds rather than an entire season. You don't normally get that. That's just like, that's just like a comparison between like the inherent dangers of riding a motorcycle at those speeds compared to being strapped into a car where, Mm. you know, you're strapped into a safety cell, you know, you got your seatbelts on motorcycle racing. Of course, you know, you just get thrown off the bike if something goes wrong. Yeah, and realistically, we've taken bike safety pretty much as far as it can reasonably go. 
you know, you know, tracks might be one thing. Obviously, we saw with Austria last year, there was levels to that. I mean, the, the levers have airbags in them. There is only so much mitigation you can have when you're riding a 225, motor, 225 mile an hour motorcycle. But it's also, I've always had, like, as I've gotten a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit more media savvy, I guess you could say. Like, is it just me or is it like almost celebrated a bit too much when these guys come through pain and ride through injury and it's almost like watching the NFL where it's almost like playing with pain management is almost like a part of the game at this point where you know you almost everyone you know and care about is carrying some sort of niggle at least you know and that's almost celebrated well, anyone who gets that vibe I'd love to hear I, you guys put on this uh, as well I'm, I'm not sure in this specific case because mm. again, when the most dominant rider of those in in recent history in MotoGP has mm. been gone for almost an entire year, he's literally the second most marketable dude in the championship is just gone. Mm. Him coming back is inherently a massive deal. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I'm, I'm, I wanted to get that vibe because, like. On one end, it's like, oh my god, yay, Marquez is back. And I'm like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't crash. And I saw him, maybe not so much in the Marquez case, but if you look at his old colleague Takanakagami back there, who had an enormous crash on Saturday, I mean, you could see the shot. Like, you, you see the waterfall shot when you come over the front straight of Portimao. And it's not a bike. It was the bike on its side, with Taka coming down the hill, barely holding onto it. And it's just like... My man cracked ribs, could barely breathe on Sunday morning, and he's on a motorcycle, and he finished 10th, and we're applauding like, oh my god, this is awesome, and I'm just sitting there also thinking, oh my god, this is a really bad idea, and I've always, like, as I've gotten a bit older, I've had that more of a, like, that conflict in my head that, you know, like, is it okay that we're determined to get these guys fit or almost determined to have them rush back to full fitness so they can race? Because I think an element of that was why Marquez was gone for so long in the first place. You know, he tried to race on a broken arm five days after he snapped the thing in two. Like, yeah. and he thought that was okay to ride on. And I'm sitting here thinking, any other sport, pretty much a broken arm, you're in a sling. You're in a car, so you're not even thinking about competing in a sport, let alone one where a bike will throw you off the better part of 200 clicks. Absolutely. You know. And we give motorcycle riders Mm. across a number of disciplines tremendous respect for the injuries that they accumulate and are still able to go through. I I think we all respect what these riders do at any level. But I do think that there is, like, valid concern. Like, hey, in in trying to respect what these guys do, we all, we just, like... <sighs> but I, to a certain degree, it's it's not on the fans or the broadcasters. Yeah. And yeah. arguably, it's not even on the riders who choose to ride. It's it's on the FIM for allowing them to ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's the old debate that, you know, what what's okay to sign off as fit? And, you know, 
Because you always hear like, oh yeah, Ryder declared fit, Ryder declared unfit, and I would love to know more about what goes on in those medical rooms half the time, because you hear, oh yeah, right shoulder contusion, oh yeah, it's declared fit. <laughs> you just go, huh? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I know Simon Patterson brought it up as well on Twitter about the use of painkilling injections as well, and the fact that they contain a steroid and its therapeutic use exemptions. And it, again, there is a big old can of worms regarding that in GP because that's a very common practice that, you know, guys will will take painkillers and race, you know, and that is, like, again, if you need one of those to race, some will make the argument, if you need one of those, and why have you been declared fit to ride a motorcycle? You know, it's... So, it's... There's no easy answers on that, but I wanted to get some thoughts on that anyway, because, like, for me, as a bike fan, I've seen I've seen too many disasters, and I've seen, you know, yeah. how a mismanaged injury ended up having Mark Marquez out of the shelf for an entire season, and, and, and change. So, you know, it was something that I thought was worth, that was worth mentioning as well. I mean, if there's other in- things to take away from the main event on that race, I mean, shout out to Francisco Bagnaia, who finished second um, on that one as well. I mean, probably should have started from pole, had his pole lap taken away after ignoring the yellow flag. Set a monster lap mm. in qualifying, but he set part of that in a yellow flag zone. And I heard some discussion about, like, was the yellow flag visible at the time? You know, Mm. was the incident so far away that it shouldn't have mattered? Like, in principle, like, you're setting fast times during a yellow flag. I know that seems cruel, but that's kind of an open and shut case. It is. Um, There was some debate about the fact that it was being waved in a corner that wasn't in the rider's line of sight, which isn't ideal, but they've also got dashboard messages now as well, you know, so I think that was a pretty open and shut case, but again, second place and and you know what? (laughs) Another case of a Ducati beating a Suzuki over the line, which I had to mention as well, because... Because he was in a fantastic freeway fight for the two podium spots between him, Mir, and Frankie Morbidelli. Guess which one came over the line first? Francesco Bagnaia. And yes, it's the also the Duke engine. It's also very encouraging to see, you know, and I know Zarco falling and Jorge Martin being out of action. I know that mm. pretty much impacted that, but, you know, fair play to Bagnaia. This is like the first time in a while that we've seen, you know, signs of a rider for the factory Ducati team outperform the satellite guys. Because there have been times where that has not necessarily been the case. Bad Nye's riding style is perfect for this bike. I mean, Camel attest, you know, they keep telling him, you know, that you're taking corners too fast in this <laughs> Ducati, which is a hell of a problem to have. If, if only Cam were here, he'd have a five-minute monologue about this Ducati current turn um, and him being mad. I think he secretly wants Ducati to do well, but he would never admit it because the bike can't turn. And 
Frank and then Francisco Bagnaia has this style where he mitigates a lot of the problems of Ducati's turning. His problem is he, he does it a bit too much and he tucks the front sometimes. But um, he seems to have gotten that under control, which is a very promising yeah. sign. I think it is a matter of when, not if, he's going to score his first win this year. I think it's coming it's down coming. the road. And I know Cutter Qatar was a missed opportunity there, but whether it's in Austria or even if it's somewhere else for that matter, I feel confident it's coming. He left Qatar with the race and all-time lap record. He'll be just fine. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Not an ideal track given that Haref is up next. It's yeah. very technical, a lot slower. Could be quite physically demanding. But yeah. uh, hey, we'll have to wait and see how This that could be goes. a great opportunity for Fabio to extend his championship league. Because we saw him do well at the start of last season. Of mm. course, kind of folded, but he's got the sports psychologist now. It seems like he's sorted that out. And he's got the factory team underneath him. It's his birthday, too, yesterday. Well. Yeah. He's 22. Again, yeah. just... <laughs> Tremendous upside. T- 22. And he's probably going to be the prime contender for Marquez if he wants to win the championship this season. Good lord. Very Lorenzo-esque. On the bike and off the bike with celebrations. Obviously jumped in the pool the moment he won. In full levers. Not sure that was the wisest idea. But uh, happy birthday, Fabio, and all of that. Um, We'll get into the chapters at the end of the show just to break that down. But, uh, (laughs) fellas, who saw Moto3? I did I, not, unfortunately. I saw Dang, the last lap, out. and I feel like I got the picture. The Pedro Acosta show has been renewed for a third season, now with a Wikipedia page and everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it took a while to get there, because they originally pretended like he was 51 years old rather than 16. I can assure you he's definitely 16. But, um... <laughs> He's done it again. He won again. And, like, this was a very different type of excellence because I know that, you know, it, last time around it was a win from the pit lane. Did we mention it was from the pit lane? I don't think anybody yeah. mentioned it was from the pit lane. But um, this time around, it was in open air. I mean, final lap of the race, Jalmasia went down and it basically left the front two going at it between Acosta and Dennis Foggia. Um, and Acosta nearly loses it at turn three. He nearly loses it at the final corner, which is the worst place you can possibly have a near miss because you lose all your momentum going up the hill towards the finish line. And that actually matters on the Moto3 bike because they're much slower bikes. So the run to the line is more prevalent than a MotoGP bike. And... He still beats Foggia over the line by a nose. Like, it was half a bike length in it. Um, and Acosta goes over the line and wins. Incredible reflexes from this kid to save the bike. He, he should have fell. Uh, most mortals, I, I know, like, most mortals would have fallen off of that. Not Pedro Acosta. <laughs> and I know it's just his third race, but... For the small sample size we are seeing, he is absolutely on fire to start his Moto3 career. And it's, that's a it's, huge points lead to uh, to couple away with that, as we'll get to in a second, because John Messia's fall, that had huge implications. 
Yeah, crashed from third. Um, so that was a big swing. He did actually get a few points. He recovered to finish in ninth. The front group was so far in front of the second group that he was able to crash, remount, and still finish in ninth. Yeah. Kind of a strange one, that. But yeah. uh, normally, Moto Freeland groups are actually somehow a bit bigger these days. It's actually quite bizarre. But uh, I mentioned it on the call that the last time I remember... A Moto3 rookie hitting the class this hard was Romano Fanati, who was... <laughs> he hit hard in, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't the only way. There was many different contexts to this. But he started his Grand Prix career with a second and a win. And that's what it reminded me of. Um, he was sixth in the championship in his first year in the class, and... Acosta reminds me a lot of that. Now, the way Romano Fanati's career has proven out is that maybe the evidence that we should maybe pump the brakes a little bit on Acosta. But it's hard not to be really, really excited about this kid's talent. Even more so when he rides for KTM, eh, King? <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, is that uh, right now, the end of the championships... King ha- King's KTM has first and second in Moto Two, and first and second in Moto Three. What about what about the Premier Class? We don't talk about that. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'll come back oh. to it a bit, uh, and I know I'm going off the top for a bit. Brad Binder had a great race. Uh, I think there are signs. Of, there are signs of life there. I know it seems a bit disappointing given all the success they had, but. Things aren't as bad as they could be for KT. King, I'm being reassuring. Binder went from 15th to 5th. It was a good day race day for Binder. If anything, he complained that it was like, where was this in practice? It was what he was literally saying. Um, it was like, he, he was, I think he surprised himself with his own pace. It was a shame that the hometown hero, Miggy Oliveira, crashed early on and, uh, that I think that was, if King had a calendar back there, that was the big one circled on there saying, Pulled him out. Home win. Oh, <laughs> this man had a Phil Goldberg security escort and everything. Oh, gotcha. In, in, in Portugal, it is Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Miggy Oliveira. In that order. Uh, when it comes to sporting names, they love him in Portimao. It's crazy. No love for um, Costa, huh? But, but yeah. Yeah. Acosta will join that list soon because the man is just a freak, to say the least. Um, I have to mention Moto2 a little bit as well because I feel bad for Moto2 on this one mostly because the time slot was not favourable. Um, they had to move the Moto2. Normally MotoGP goes on last. They yeah. moved MotoGP to the middle on this occasion. It's what uh, Prince Philip would have wanted. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, very true. It's what Prince would have wanted. You know, we're going to race at this time slot only. They moved the MotoGP race back an hour to facilitate not clashing with Formula One, who was also going off at, at uh, 1 p.m. Yeah. in Imola. So, if you're going to um, have one thing sa- uh, have to take the clash against that one, it's like, you know, ESPN's not going to put, like, a s- baseball up against uh, Sunday afternoon NFL. They're going to put some other shit on to go against Sunday night NF- Sunday afternoon NFL. So I Indeed. get it, but, but Dre, 
yeah, this race had a lot to talk about right from the drop. Yeah, and unfortunately the drop was, um, guys, do you remember the old Sam Lowe's? You know, who was incredibly fun, but also had a bad case of the dropsies. I miss the old Sam Lowe's. Um, yeah. Good news, everybody. Well, bad news, but in the context, he was back with a vengeance. Yeah. And, oh, um, the old Sam Lowe's. The I don't finish races Sam Lowe's. The I score zero points Sam Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> king, king, king. That's not very nice. Whoa, I'm just stating what took place. I hate that he's not wrong here, unfortunately. Yes, that... Oh, Sam Lowe's overshot the first corner on the opening lap, and it was either ram into the side of Remy Gardner, um, or swerve out of the way. He chose the latter, and unfortunately got catapulted off his Moto2 bike and onto the concrete outside turn one. Sam Lowe's race lasted a grand total of about eight seconds, um, unfortunately, uh, down the hill, and he was out. His race didn't make it to turn two. Um, and I was like, oh, there's the Sam Lowe's we know. Um, this is like, god damn it, Sam. After a near-perfect season of three straight pole positions and two straight wins, uh, Lowe's is fuming again, everybody, and uh, that... Almost guaranteed us a new championship leader after that as well. Um, there was a lot that went on in this race. Again, because of the awful Formula 1 slot, only about 25 people actually watched it. But if you did, congrats! You were treated to quite a great race, actually. Yeah. We had some funny flashpoints in there. There was, there was friendly fire between Ayagura and Somakat Chantra, where the two teammates hit each other accidentally because... Uh, one of RJ's mans, the American Cambobier, unfortunately hit Chiantra and then he hit Agura. Um, it was unfortunate. Everyone looked at each other like, what the fuck? And it was like, it wasn't me, it was him, it was the American. <laughs> they had a really scary wreck coming out of the final corner, too. Yeah, it was um, Stefano Manzi had a massive high side out of the final corner. Um, collected Montella on the way out, and both bikes hit the gravel trap and caught fire. Oh, um, something must have ruptured the fuel tank as both of them went up in smoke very, very quickly. Thankfully, both riders were okay. They were jettisoned far away from their bikes, thankfully, but that was a nasty one on the, on the last corner. We had, a again, another case of skirmish club. Um, <laughs> Not quite fight club. Skirmish club. <laughs> And you know what made it even spicier, King? It was between two former VR46 Academy guys. What well, one former VR46 Academy guy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we had Niccolo Bulliger, um, the former VR46 guy who's now he's now arrived, I think, with Grassini. He went off into turn one. He got the breaking point completely wrong. He basically cut up. Celestino Vietti, the the rookie in the class in Moto2 riding for the VR46 team currently, and went into the side of him, and they both went down. And as Bulliger is on his knees, basically um, just collected himself after the incident, 
Um, Vietti basically gives him a shove while he's on the ground going, mm. what was what was that in, in Italian, probably? Um, but um, <laughs> we had a bit of a skirmish, to say the least. Um, camera very quickly cut away. I don't think they wanted to show another fight for the second time in two weeks after um, pit lane penalties and, quote, bringing the sport into disrepute despite 100,000 replays um, of said fight. Um. So that that was that was uh, yes, the old NASCAR strategy. This is bringing our sport into disrepute, but we got to plaster it all over everything: advertisements, YouTube videos, Instagram. Yeah, kicks get clicks. <laughs> Ask John McPhee; he'll tell you all about that. Because honestly, I was watching the BD Sport commentary. And I swear to God, they they called John McPhee's penalty draconian live on the broadcast. And I thought that was funny as hell. (laughs) Draconian for fighting on a live racetrack. (laughs) Okay. Um, And and probably the funnest part of all, Raul Fernandez ripped the band-aid off with five laps to go. Save this tyres. It was a very tetchy sort of race because the temperatures were so high and there was a lot of near misses and wobbles. Fernandez ripped it off with five to go, got to the front, pulled out a second and a half in lead and won. His third ever race in Moto 2 and back-to-back wins at Portimao because he won the final race here in Moto 3 last season. So uh, back-to-back wins in Portimao for Fernandez and another win... For the for Red Bull KTM, but not the one you were expecting, probably, given that Remy Gardner was in third in the end. So, King, yeah. you might have the number one prospect on the board for MotoGP now. Yeah, that's gonna be promising, right? Get on <laughs> to a premier class ship box. <laughs> you can see how enthusiastic he is about the whole thing. If I am Inter uh, Laquona, I am a bit nervous right now because KTM's mm. prospect academy is looking between Fernandez, between Gardner, Houdre, he he came to blows with uh, with Joe Roberts at the end of this one. We had an Australian-American beef at the end of that race where um, Roberts was looking for a podium. Um, I know Roberts was desperate for the win, didn't quite have the pace for that, but was fighting for third of a second alongside him, Gardner, and Aaron Canet, the walking tattoo. Canet had Done enough to secure second, but Gardner blocked past him almost off the almost off the road with a couple of corners to go. Roberts was not impressed, um, but no further action was taken. Gardner took third in the end, but good news is he takes the championship lead. So uh, with lows down, it's still a pretty good result for the for the Australian. Hey, it's, it's, King, it's all good. It's it, it's it's. It's all sunny outside of that Premier Class team. You know, the one that struggled so far this season. Best Australian-American beef since Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) So, for all 25 of you who saw it, congrats, you got a really good Moto2 race out of it. If you haven't, go out of your way to see it. It's well worth the watch. I don't normally recommend the Moto2 race, which is already a good sign as it is, because it, it is a bit of the bathroom break race about it sometimes, but this was a really good one. It was a really good one, so go out of your way to see it if you haven't already. Champion standards before we get out of here real quick. Fabio Quadraro now leads by 15 points. He has 61 to Francisco Bagnaia's 46. Uh, Maverick Vinales now third on 41. Zarco still on 40 in fourth. And then Johan Mir, the reigning champ, on 38. 
Already 23 points behind. Now, Mark Marquez gets 9 points of finishing in 7th. So, if you're keeping what I'd call Marquez watch, the gap is minus 52 compared to Quattararo. He's got two races to make up. Could be interesting. Do not, you know, want to keep an eye on. And Haref, again, Quattararo was very strong around there last year, won both races. So, you'd think Fabio might be the favourite for next weekend. We'll have to wait and see. Chin up, King. It's the better section now. Moto 2. Remy got on the championship leader with 56 points. Raul Fernandez second now on 52. Ahead of Sam Lowe's on 50. Marco Bezzecchi on 36. And Fabio Di Giantonio on 27. And then in Moto 3, we had Pedro Acosta with 70 points. Again, 70 out of a possible 75 so far this season after going second, first, first. He already has a race in hand on his teammate, Jao Messia. With 39, Darren Binder on 36, Nicolo Antonelli on 36, and Andrea Migno, who's having a bit of a comeback resurgence season in Moto3. It's kind of strange. Um, he's fifth on 29 points. Pretty good weekend of MotoGP across the board. This actually wasn't a spectacular one by their standards, but still pretty good. Um, yeah. I'd take a three and a half, a four star any day. Any day. It's a good time. Absolutely. It's a good, it's a good time indeed. MotoGP will be back next week at Haref. Um, and we'll have a new rider. Well, not a new rider, but an old rider in a new spot. Jorge mm. Martins hurt, but Tito Rabat's going to be in his place on the Pramac Ducati. That's, that's, that's a nice little landing spot for Tito. Sadly, for those who may not know, Tito will then will be in World Superbikes when that starts later on in the season. I think it starts in May this year. Due to the shortened calendar, COVID, etc., etc., but Rabat will. They've not called the policeman, so I can't make my usual reference, which is a real disappointment. McKaydee Piro will not be on the bike this time round, <laughs> probably later on in the year. Um, but uh, Tito Rabat. Ducati summon... has realized, and especially lately, that it's very pointed that they did not decide to call the police in this situation. Good idea. Generally speaking, good idea. Um, so yeah, Rabat will fill in that weekend. Martin took a nasty spill. Um, I think it was FP3 on Saturday morning. Um, badly knocked the wind out of him. Had to have surgery um, on it as well. But uh, luckily, he's he's okay. Um, he'll recover. He'll be back, most likely for Le Mans. But he'll be out for Haref next weekend. Um, Rabat filling in his spot. And, uh, oh. Did I mention that Dovi was back briefly? Um, Dovi, Dovi had the Aprilia test. Um, now, everybody played their cards pretty close to their chest on this one. Not a lot was actually said about the test or how he felt about the bike. I think it was all very closely guarded secrets. But when they asked Dovi about it, he did say, I'm not retired. I want to race next year, and I want to find the right project. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder. Does a pretty throw the boat? Does a pretty throw him a boatload of money and say, you know, because they have Lorenzo Savadori on the other bike, and it's Savadori got the points. That's good. I mean, it still weighs off a spark rub, but. I heard noise they were kick, trying to kick around the tires on the idea of putting Davi in mid-season. 
He'd have to get special clearance from the Riders Union on that, um, that Hervé Poncherat runs, because they can't really break a dude's contract in the middle of a season normally. So they'd have to ask for dispensation for that. But I think maybe next year, possibly... I, 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 I spoke to Lewis about this the other day, and he said straight up, look, the a prettiest problem might be his riders now. Because Savadori ain't shit. Alicia's good, but we know he's not great. Because when he had top-tier machinery, he lost out to Maverick. So... Yeah. If they could snag someone like Dovi. Good yeah. reputation as a developer. Still a... Still, you know, was still a top-five rider in the championship, even in Absolutely. his down year last year then. That's something that could be a possibility. He'll be testing again at Mugello in May for Aprilia. So, again, keep an eye on that one going Absolutely. forward. Aprilia's gone a long way from being turned down by upper midfielders in Moto2. <laughs> so now they can get the hottest free agent on the market. That would be quite the shift when Joe Roberts turned them down last year. And Marco Bezecchi turned them down last year. An Italian turned down the chance to ride for an Italian team in MotoGP, which... My, how the turntables. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, we'll be back two weeks' time at Haref. But uh, for now, that'll just about do it for MotoGP. That was a fun one. Again, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yes, uh, basically you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter and Motorsport underscore 101. Handles are on the screen right now. Um, but if you're not listening to us on video, there are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Cam's Twitter is sadly not here this time around, but normally we'll be CBuckley917 as well. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod. And you could, if you really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 for early access to all of our audio episodes. 10 bucks for the video versions and access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you could listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. All of that and more on our website, Motorsport101.com. We'll be back next week for Formula E's doubleheader in Valencia. We've got a double stack of IndyCar as well in another episode, and we have some milestone we've gotten to. <laughs> it involves Sparta, apparently. Um, you know, we might, we might kick King into a hole somewhere, who knows? Um, call up Pete <laughs> Weber, call up Walter Ray, call up Belmo. We're hitting 300, baby. <laughs> It'll be a perfect game indeed. More details on that in the coming days. Keep an eye on our social media for it. But yeah, episode 300 will be very, very soon as well. But until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. And until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs> you sure you don't want to be kicked into that whole king? It would make for great visual content. No. <laughs> I can't even say this is Sparta, no? No. <laughs>